And you're very welcome along to this week's RTE Rugby Podcast, episode five of the new BKT United Rugby Championship season. And we're going to be looking ahead to another Interpro this week. Connacht against Leinster is the big game on Friday night. Munster against the Bulls on Saturday evening. That's on RT2 and RT player. Munster in a mired in trouble at the moment after three defeats in their first four games. We will certainly be talking about that. And, and Ulster down in South Africa for the first of their two games. They're taking on the Lions this Saturday afternoon before the Sharks next week. Delighted to be joined by Fiona Hayes and Eddie O'Sullivan. Guys, thanks a million for joining us this week. And Eddie, we were just talking to you off air there before we came onto the pod. You're, you're back in the coaching game this season with Buccaneers. You had the first win of the season last weekend against Old Wesley. How are you, how are you enjoying being back out on the pitch, running the team again? I'm enjoying the coaching side of it for sure. You know, it's um, it's interesting because, you know, you're um, trying to manage the squad of you know, Buccaneer club players, and then you've got uh, provincial players, you get back now and again, dipping in and out, so it's kind of juggling act. so it's been interesting, I've enjoyed it, um, you know, but uh, it's Division 1B, one, one it's a tough league, so uh, it's like uh, it's like the NFL any given Sunday, you know, you could win or you could lose, <laughs> it's exciting. <laughs> and Fiona, how are you getting on in Balancolic at the moment, was it a draw I see at the weekend? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was a draw, Um, not a great start to the season, look, there's a, there's a, as you people know, follow the women's game, there's a big gulf between the top four and the bottom the bottom team so um, we had a, a rough start to the season we were getting wallops so we were absolutely delighted to get some points on the board although we were 10 nil up with about 12 minutes left so I wasn't too happy with the game management towards the end but look we'll work on that and hopefully we can push on from here Good stuff Well look, speaking of uh, rough starts of the season I think that's the <laughs> probably the easiest segue to get to to get to Munster I know we have an Interpro but God almighty just with the way Munster started this season they really are the the talking point so far Eddie so three defeats in four I like from the very start over the summer I think pretty much everyone around Munster anyone who who watched rugby knew it was going to take time to to bed things in but I don't think many people would have envisaged three defeats in the first four games those three defeats being away to Cardiff to Dragons and to Connacht would I be right yeah. in saying that? Yeah, I think if you look at the fixture list uh, for, for Munster, it was kind of, you know, maybe not four to take to the bank, but at least maybe three to take to the bank, mm-hmm. you know. Um, uh, compared to, to Connacht's start of the season, which has been like horrendously difficult, mm-hmm. you know, you know, going away up to to, uh, to Ravenhill and then off to South Africa for two games. So looking at both provinces, yeah, Munster had the easier start and they, they turned out to, to make the worst of it, you know. Um it's hard to know what to say that hasn't been said already, but I, I suppose um, there's a couple of things that are, are worrying. One is this is not a whole new coaching ticket. Roundtree has been on deck there for a while, so you would think that he had a pretty clear vision of what he wanted to put into place. It's not like a guy coming in for the first time and trying to set out his stall. So to take it'll take time. Argument isn't as strong as it would normally be for, for a new coaching ticket. Um, the second thing is I think that you know, RK, they're, they've won one from four. You'd like to think that week on week they've been improving a little bit, even a little bit. But the problem is that it's hard to put your finger on where they're getting better. And it's a, it's a horrible thing to say, but I think you have to say it is that they're actually behind where they were when they ended last season. You know, they're not even where they were at the end of last season. And they had a preseason as well, you know, which is disrupted by players being away, but every province has to deal with that. So it's it's just like a bit of a malaise, you know. You could flay them uh, on many fronts, but I I just worry that um, 
they're not really showing any part of their game that you think is really, this is, you know, they've really buttoned this down. Like, they're, like, probably last weekend was probably the most worrying performance uh, in Galway. And, I mean, going to sports ground, it's a tough place to go, but Munster been there many times before and got the job done. But I'm trying to think their lineup was in trouble. Their defensive lineup didn't really function at all. Their scrum was in trouble. Um, their defence was in trouble. Uh, you know, parts of the game that Munster really don't get bullied, you know, they got bullied around up front uh, in the mall and stuff. And then in attack, they were very one-dimensional. Like, I, I'm just trying to trawl through the wreckage and see where you could pick something that you say, well, this is something that you can see. Now, the worrying thing for that for Munster is like every week it ticks by and they don't start to click those pieces into place. Like the engine doesn't start pouring in some way. Um, the pressure builds and the players, you know, feel the pressure more and it's harder to start the engine then, you know. So I have to say it's, it is worrying for them. And, and then there's the, the ticking time bomb of Europe in the background. You know, this getting into Europe is, is really huge for Munster. And already there's talk that, you know, it's going to be an uphill climb, especially with the South African teams. Um, playing so well and you know Leinster and Ulster fighting at the top probably to, to be the guaranteed team you know so it's not a pretty picture I hate to say it it's not a pretty picture Yeah and Fiona like a, a couple of worrying things that Eddie mentioned there and one of them being that it's not just one element of their game that is holding them back like I think you know there were times maybe in the last few years where they had an excellent defense and they mm. just weren't really firing in attack. And it was that one element of the game that was just, just pulling them back. But as Eddie said there, like the, the attack has obviously been poor. That's been the main part, but looking through the the stats of the URC this season, their discipline has been horrendous. Only Zeb, only Zebra have conceded more penalties in the competition than this year. Their, their line out is all over the place. I think it's just one or two teams have, have lost more line outs than them this season. So they're struggling to, to a, get primary possession and B, they're struggling to keep a hold of the ball when they actually have it. And then they're also conceding, you know, they've been, they've been shipped falling off tackles all over the place this season as well. So it's, there are so many different areas of the game that are struggling to come together at the moment. Yeah, that's it, Neil. And I suppose the big, you know, the stats as well, the big stat that stood out to me after the four games is that 86 missed tackles. I mean, that, that isn't a monster thing we've seen in the in the past, especially in those games, those games that were before them. You know, they, they would have been kind of games they would have looked at winning. And obviously no game is easy, but it would have been one they had in the bank to maybe come away, go over, get the job done and come home. And, and that didn't happen. And the pressure seems to be building and building. And it's the performance just isn't there I mean you talked about set piece I mean last weekend we saw obviously Finley Bealham can take great credit in, in his performance but just the scrum was dismantled you know Roundtree has worked hard in the past around the area of the mall and I saw it improve when he came in and especially defense of the mall and that seems to be gone out the window as well they're, they're not stopping at its source there's a lot of things missing and it's almost like they've an overload of information I think Neil that maybe they need to go back to basics and start looking at those simple things like the the tackle area you know the this the the rock ball they're missing clean outs as well discipline although you might have these um great ideas and 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 how to attack and you know that's been the focus in the past though months are lacking this and you know sometimes but we're not getting gain line we're not getting the basics we're not getting our scrum right we're not getting our line out so it's time i think they're going to have to go back and look at the basics because they need to start winning these games now 
But yeah. I think the basics, you know, for me is if one of my big criticisms once the last year from early in the season and, and it, you know, people were were upset about it because, you know, it was criticizing Munster. But the fact was, I looked at the source of Munster's tries last year and Munster's game plan last year, um, attacking game plan, um, was very, very simple. They had fantastic ball retention. Their mm. ball retention was in the high 90s. So they just held on to the ball. Nothing spectacular. They just ran at you around the halfway line. They kept pounding away until you made a mistake and gave up a penalty. And that was their main source of entry to the other team's 22. And then, you know, penalty into the corner, Maul, Troy, or Maul, pick and jam, Troy. So the source of all their scores, really, are not all is unfair, but a lot of their scores were their capacity to build pressure around the middle of the field until you cracked and gave away a penalty. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they got into the kill zone, as I call it, and they were fantastic at getting into the kill zone and really punishing you. You know, they're so good in round 10 metres out, Munster are as good as any team in the world. And I was saying, okay, well, that's going to get them so far. And that's all it did, got them so far. And you're going to think, okay, now it's going to be a shift here. They're going to, going to bring something else to the party. But it, probably the Zebra game was the one that was like, I was just saying, like, it was, it was a mirror image of last year, except it was worse. Because the Zebra game, they were 21 points up after like 20 minutes. And they were all the same tries. Penalty, ball to the corner, Maul, try or one-off runners, pick and jam, try. They were 21 points up. And there was an hour left in the game. And they didn't score again. Mm-hmm. And um, they had three chances in the second half to get a bonus point. Where they had three, you know, kill zone positions that you'd call from Munster. And they butchered the three of them. They lost the line out. Uh, they fumbled another ball. So it was like, like they just didn't even get the bonus point in the game, but you would have put your house on Munster to get a bonus point against Zebra with an hour left in the game. So that was to me was alarm bells again, you know. And the attack, I think I'm looking at the attack, and I know Prendy's only in the door, and I, he's a great coach. I do know at the moment it's not clicking for them because they're not running. There's no, I'm not seeing any innovation. That's like they're running a one-three-three-one basic attack, which like every team in the world is running. It's nothing. There's nothing spectacular, but they're not even executing that well. And that's their problem. They, they can't seem to break teams down with it. Where other teams break teams down with it, uh, there's variations on it. But you you saw how 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 Leinster last week dismantled um, uh, dismantled the 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 sharks. Sorry, sharks. Sharks. Sorry, dismantled the sharks. Um, basically by by running a similar pattern, but by just being more clinical about their execution and their role in plays. So. There's nothing I'm seeing in in um we say the monster attack that looks anything resembling that, and also the same monster attack is firing very well also. Mm. Um, it was only a game against Leinster where it was an absolute monsoon that they that no team could play that night. So that's the thing for me in the attack. That's the one thing we're all looking at was the monster attack. Where's it going? And I just zero evidence at the moment. I hate to say it, there's zero evidence that they're they're actually going anywhere. Yeah, and Eddie, with that as well, like I'm this is one of the first few times like I'm I'm at home this weekend and I'm actually thinking about will I go up and watch uh, the Bulls game or not? I probably will up in Toman Park, but it's it's just when I'm watching every other Irish province over the weekend and you know the likes of Ulster and especially Leinster, they're so exciting in attack and they just Munster just don't seem to be bringing anything to the plate. And with rugby, when you're up in Thome Park, you want to be roaring, you want to be shouting. Obviously, you love the physical contacts, but the game has evolved, so it's 
it's tries that get people excited now and it, it just doesn't seem to be happening and I, I, I know hopefully with it with Tom and Park at the weekend they might bring a, a bit more and they haven't had a game there yet this season but but if they don't they could be in serious trouble with getting the fans in the door as well well as well the Bulls are coming off a loss last week yeah um, and like they're away from home so they'll always batten down the hatches and try and get some result away from home and they'll see Munster as a, as a, a wounded, a wounded uh, beast at the moment and okay Munster might respond to that but you, you just wonder where that response is going to come from like the South African teams just to pivot away from Munster South African teams have brought a, a really uh, different dimension to, 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 the, to the URC now there's no doubt about it they've this, this year I was saying last year you know they Took them a while to get their feet under the table. The, the start of the season last year from was very, you know, was very unwieldy. They struggled. They now know what it's like to come up here and play in the winter. They know what they need to do when we, they get us down there. And they've started the season well. You know, they're 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 looking towards Europe as well. So it's a much tougher league. And the idea of going on a kind of a bit of a cannonball run over the next, you know, two months from Munster and suddenly getting into the top reach of the league is going to be a much deeper hill to climb now and that's 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 extra pressure on the team yeah and like it's not if you look at the just to go back to what we were saying right at the very start of this with the, the fixtures they had that they were the winnable fixtures on paper and their next three games they're looking at the Bulls this week they're against Leinster at the Aviva Stadium next week and then they're hosting Ulster the week after that that brings you up to the international break and the games continue to be tough then once they're back in at the end of November and into December. The worrying thing is it's not a complete exaggeration. It's not hyperbole, Fiona, to suggest that Munster could be realistically be heading into the international break in November, having won one of seven games to start the season. Yeah, and, and that's the reality of it, Neil. You know, like, as we said, when you're looking at the fixtures, you even after the first couple of games, I was thinking, okay, probably could take Connacht away. I know they're excellent in the sports round, but I was thinking probably that's one. Um, Leinster in the Viva. I mean, it's not really a place that Munster fans like to go. And, you know, we haven't got much uh, change up there either. So, you you know, obviously you, you go into all these games thinking you're winning it. And But even Ulster, like Ulster at home, I would have thought early on in the season, okay, Toman Park, that'll bring it but I'm looking at these games now and, I, and I'm wondering you know can 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 they win any of them they're going into this break and they could be um right at the bottom and if if that's the case what are going to how is confidence going to build on that because that's going to have a, a knock-on effect and it's also going to have a knock-on effect on the internationals as well going into this I mean if like we know Farrell likes to pick on form there isn't really anybody putting their hand up in the air. I know they got, some of the guys obviously were away on a, a tough summer tour, but there isn't any of the, the fringe players putting their hand up at the minute saying, look, have a look at me. Whereas we're seeing this in all the other provinces. When we're talking about rugby week in, week out, we're talking about the likes of McCluskey. I'm looking at Doak on the emerging tour. You know, there's guys playing really, really good rugby. It's almost like there's a confidence issue with some of the players in Munster and there's no one having absolute man of the match performances, I don't think. Yeah, and just to, to finish up on, on Munster, Eddie, just Fiona mentioned the, the Emerging Ireland Tour. Um, The coaches at Munster haven't used this as an excuse. They, anytime it has actually been brought up in press conferences, they've kind of wisely changed the subject. I'm going to bring this up as <laughs> devil's advocate. Would, would you feel pretty aggrieved if you were coaching Munster at the moment and you were having to start, like it's, it's no offence on Connor Phillips or Patrick Campbell, but two academy kids for big games, must-win games, when you have 
the likes of Shane Daly and Cal- Calvin Nash over with the Emerging Ireland Tour, while you also have a pretty massive injury list of back three players at the moment. Like, yeah. the, the, as as poor as they've been on the pitch, in part have they been forced to do the, this with one hand tied behind their back? Yeah, um, I think Munster, yeah, would probably feel a bit more aggrieved than most provinces, although I think the whole tour itself, um, I know they won the three games, but the opposition... You know, was was pretty average. Um, I think the timing of it was mistimed. Like stripping guys out of the provinces at the start of the season, I, I thought was a, a pretty bad idea. It was a last minute thing as well. Like it came out of the blue. Mm. Now none of the provinces are going to say anything or criticise it. Um, you know they're not going to criticise the IRFU. Um, I think, you know, that's not the done thing anymore. Everybody's kept on site in the media. Uh, but I think all the provinces are fuming over it. Uh, and Munster probably feel a little more aggrieved, given, as you say, you outlined the, the weaknesses they have uh, in their squad and end up having to put young players in. The other thing for Munster is when these when these emerging players come back, uh, is uh, are the injuries fixed? Is that going to move the dial much for Munster? I think yeah, it's, we'll we'll find it we'll find out this this weekend how much. Yeah, benefits. but I, I think the emerging tour to me uh, was a bit of a vanity project at the end of the day. Um, yeah, those players got experience and been all the way you know, together and playing, but I think anyone's going to look back in this tour as a game changer for Irish rugby. Um, I think it's just mistimed. Um, it put the problems under pressure that they need to be under to start the season. And um, I just how many of those players are going to the next World Cup that were away in South Africa? I don't know. Is, is it is it that going to be the defining moment to get them on the plane uh, to France? I, I doubt it. Yeah. We'll move on to I, I recognise we have been pretty negative for these last like first 20 minutes of the podcast. So we'll move on to uh, something a bit more positive now. And Connacht actually getting that first win of the season and bloody deservingly so. I mean, it was a nine-point win. And if you consider Jack Carty left two conversions and a penalty, pretty kickable ones as well, uh, that he put wide off the tee. Like, that could have been an even more resounding win. Um, how how impressive were Connacht for you, Fiona, or was this in large part down to to poor Munster play? Um, no, look, Connacht were they were aggressive. They they went onto that pitch. They wanted a bit more. Um, they had standout players. I thought Gavin Thornby was absolutely excellent. I thought um, obviously I mentioned Beelham earlier. It's probably one of the best games I've seen him, even carry wise. I know scrum wise, but even seeing him around the pitch, Heffernan as well was excellent in in, in the lineout. They just. They were at home, obviously, playing on this new 4G pitch, which I might say looked absolutely fantastic as well. You know, I thought it was going to be a crack in the game. I thought there was going to be loads of tries scored on, on that, you know. But um, look, you have to give credit where it's due. You can talk about how, how bad Munster were. Connacht aren't going to go back and review the game and say that was one of the best games we've ever played. You know, there was a lot of their strike plays offset piece. Um, You know, there was a lot of errors. They would have said that we we talked about Carty. Good to see him back, but he would have missed a few kicks that um, obviously could have stand uh, if the if the score was tighter. So they just went out there, they went about their business and they were clinical. They were efficient and, and they got the job done and they played the referee as well. So fair play to them, standout players and, and a really, really good game. You, Munster obviously weren't at their best, but Connacht have to take pride in how they went out and finished off the game and especially to get that try right at the end as well off the mall. Yeah, and like if we're talking about just the simple things as well, Eddie, I think it was Dave Heffernan, the the Connacht hooker who was uh, doing press there in the last couple of days, and he just mentioned specifically about they they had a bit more of a chip on their shoulder 
that they were kind of rid the riot act after after a few kind of meek performances, particularly in the forwards in the opening rounds. And I think you could see it that they had that bit of a nasty edge back to them on on Friday night. Well, I think it was again, it was a kind of a watershed game for 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 Connacht last uh, last Friday night. Like they had a very bad start to the season as well. It's not like sugarcoated it. Like yeah. they were, and they, they had the tough, they had the tough fixtures list to go with it. They had, but they had they they did what they did is they got basically demolished in all those fixtures mm-hmm. by and large. You know, I mean, okay, you could say their second South African game was a bit better, but they looked very vulnerable. Uh, and the things that we talked about last year, Connacht's defense was was pretty shambolic in the first three games. They were like in in they they were they were kind of self inflicted wounds in in their first three games. So I think they had to make a statement on 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 Friday night, and they did make the statement. Credit where credit is due. I think you have to temper um, what you say about Connacht at the moment because I think Munster were very poor. Now you could say did Connacht make Munster look very poor? I wouldn't buy into that completely. I'd, I'd say that you know Connacht did the things that they wanted to get done. Uh, they would have focused on let's get our set piece right. They got their set piece right. Mm-hmm. Let's take advantage if we can the scrum. They got that. Uh, they defended much better, although. Monster, Monster didn't ask them any particularly difficult questions except make your tackles, which has been a problem for Connacht. But so I think they would have went down. It was a very solid performance by Connacht, and it got it done. It got it done very comfortably, though, because you're right. Jack Carty left seven points behind off the tee, which he would have probably kicked with his eyes closed, you know, last year. And then there was a, late in the game, um, they had another kick of a penalty, uh, and they went to the corner and lost the line out. So you could tag another 10 points onto that score. And it wouldn't have flattered Connacht, so it could have been thirty points to eleven. But they will. I think they'll take they'll take a lot out of what the things they got right against Munster. But I wouldn't. I don't think they should get carried away with it because I think the real test, obviously, is coming up on Friday night. Yeah. Like yeah. they need if they put in a big shift against Leinster. And I, I don't know if they have to beat Leinster Friday night. No one's thinking they're going to beat them. But if they were to put a really heavy shift in and keep that game very competitive, you know. Uh, like right to the wire you'd say no okay they've turned the corner here like Leinster at the moment are, are, are very hard to beat no matter where they play so I would say they're looking for a kind of build on last week they're not getting carried away I think the I think the message in, in Connacht this week would be look we got a lot of things right last week let's build on it let's not go backwards anywhere and see where we get against Leinster I, I mean if they were to beat Leinster it would be a major shift in the season for them but I don't think that's Really, the, the the recipe, they just need to build on what they did last week. And I think then we have a better picture of where Connacht are. Now, if Leinster were to cut loose on Connacht on Friday night, you'd say, well, Connacht maybe back where they were the week before, so or, or, or two weeks before. So I'm holding, I'm reserving my judgment at the moment on Connacht, yeah. but I, I think you have to be fair and say that what we saw last week was a bloody good start to turn the season around. Yeah. Fiona, like, would just that kind of slow, steady improvement actually just be ideal for Connacht? Because I think last season we would have seen it where they're, their highs were absolutely mm. enormous, but they had some pretty shocking lows throughout yeah. the campaign. Like the, their wins against just off, like beating the Bulls at the sports ground last year, beating Ulster at the Aviva Stadium, uh, the win against Munster on New Year's Day. Like they had all these massive wins throughout the season, but they had some absolutely brutal defeats as well. And if they were to follow up, uh, if they were to follow up last week's win against Munster with a 30 or 40 points hawking at the hands of Leinster on Friday night, all of a sudden we, we kind of are back on this podcast next week saying, right, we're kind of back where we back where we started with Connacht really, aren't we? 
Yeah, I think they're spot on. I think um, they at the start of the season, consistency would have been probably a word that the coaching staff might have used because, as you said, Neil, I mean, we were talking on the pod, I remember last year about some of the Troy scored and how good an attack they were. And then they were just a shambles in defence at times. So that was an area, obviously, they would have looked to, to, to fix as well. They were winning games by high scores, but also letting, letting a lot of tries in on them. So I think they will be constantly building. They won't be happy with how they started you know, they, as, as you said, Dave Heffernan spoke, they were read the right act. So you saw a gradual imp- uh, performance improvement last week. And they'll be looking out to, to probably looking at maybe killing. They're very, very good when they can kill Leinster ball. You know, when they can get at Leinster for the first 30, 40 minutes, they're in their head. They're definitely a team that can get at Leinster. And when Jack Carty's at the top of the game, you can see how is it depends what type of Leinster squ- squad will be put out as well but Jack Carty is definitely someone who can who can really get at that Leinster uh, uh, pack because we've seen him him do it in the past but I, I, I think it's just if they put in a good performance they will gradually build for the season they know where they're at but they won't have been happy with how they've been playing in the past so I think on Friday night it'll be performance based scoreline obviously they'll go out with detention to win in the game but we know how how good and clinical Leinster are but Connors will be trying to tighten up that defence and not let Leinster get away from them. Yeah, and Fiona, like the the team selection for the the game against Munster was was really interesting, where they had Jack Carty back, but they also kept David Hawkshaw on the team, and they put Conor Fitzgerald back to full back, and just kind of flooded the back line with with kicking options and kind of exit options, and it it worked in large parts as well, didn't it? Yeah, it did. And I mean, Stephen Fitzgerald got a lovely uh, 50-22 as well. I mean, he's he's a player that's kind of been in and out of the Connacht team. I, I've been watching him since he left Munster. I've kind of been unsure of how he's settling in. But to see him at 15, I thought it wasn't an excellent game by any means, but I thought he was kind of good enough back there. He met his tackles at times and, and he had a very good kicking game. So it will. I wonder, will Connacht be looking at something similar? Because it seemed to work for them, especially in that back line. We know how elusive an attack they can be, but defensively, I thought it worked as well yeah and uh just flipping on to, to Leinster then Eddie the the game against Sharks last week uh it was funny we were on this podcast last week and we had a pretty long conversation about the the, the state rugby kind of felt like we felt rugby was in at the moment after that Munster Zebra game and you'd had the Connacht against, Connacht against the Bulls the previous Friday night as well these matches that were continually going over two hours or flirting with the two hour mark 60-minute first halves, stoppages everywhere, slow games, scrum resets. And it was it was a really, it felt like a real bad atmosphere on the podcast last week, I have to say. And then I was at the RDS on Saturday. It was a lovely autumn evening. Conditions were absolutely ideal. And you had two teams that just arrived and said, you know what, we're going to play ball here. And it was one of the most enjoyable games I got to sit through for work in a long, long time. It was it was it was a perfect reminder that game of just like how how good rugby can be when it's played at that at its best. Well, it's a very interesting comment you're making there because um, to me it's worrying that you know I, I compare it a bit like to Gaelic football if you don't mind on a rugby podcast is that like when you see a good game of Gaelic football it's 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 outstanding but you might have to watch ten of them to see one good one yeah and I think the problem at the moment in rugby is we're getting a bit like that you have to watch five six seven eight rugby games to get one of those barn burners as I call them that's really riveting to watch but it was a fantastic probably the game of the season so far for me you know in the URC it had everything um, I, I do think that that um, you know they, it was probably for me I have to say it was a master class uh, in, in, in attack from from from, uh, from Leinster you know they just did everything 
that they needed to do. Um, they just had looked at the Sharks' defence. So the Sharks played a, a, a very aggressive blitz defence up and in, where the wingers come up and come in. It's a very hard defence to break down if you go the wrong way about it. There's a lot of pain, but they, they spotted exactly where the space was. It's, it's pretty obvious against a, a four-up defence blitz is that the space on the outside and getting the ball there is a big problem for mm. a lot of teams. But Leinster gave a masterclass out through that. So firstly, the number of cross kicks into that space for mm. people staying wide was top draw. And of course, they were all on the money for the most yeah. part. Um, and then even the end, the space in behind as well. And Sexton exposed that to score a try. So the kicking game was was phenomenal. Absolutely perfect. Beautifully executed. And then the running game, the way to break a, a blitz defence is you throw spot passes, which for people who don't coach rugby means you somebody run hard at the line, you pass behind their back. So defenders have to watch that player, but he doesn't get the ball. And Leinster did that, and there are a lot of they were running double spots and stuff mm. of two different players, and like the Sharks were all over the shop, just torn to pieces. So if you're to draw up an attacking game plan to crack a four-up defense for any coach, just sit down and watch that game. That's how you crack a four-up defense. And they just give a master class in it. So it was wonderful to watch. Um fair to the Sharks, they didn't they didn't you not know, to be too accommodating. They came out and they played as well. There's they've got a bonus point as well and with the with tries. So for me, it was the game of the season. Fantastic to watch. Two teams going at it, two teams throwing the ball around. But not just they weren't just throwing it around because you know, let's throw it around here. They were throwing it around. Yeah, it was very it was precise. It was very, very, very precise, very, very precise, well precise, thought very out game plans. Yeah. yeah. And some of the Sharks tries were excellent as well. Very yeah. well executed, very well thought out. So, like, from even a rugby purist point of view, because sometimes you see these games with high score and you go, yeah, it was entertaining, but, geez, the defence was woeful. Yeah. You know, and there's that, like, I know some people love high scores, but sometimes I'm disgusted about it because the defence don't don't bother. But I thought in this game, both defences were, were were going at it. and But both teams were, were able to pick each other apart. But certainly Leinster got the upper hand tactically and they executed brilliantly. So... To me, it was it was a classic. You know, I mean, you could watch that game two or three times and get something out of it every time. Yeah, and Fiona, probably good for the league as well because I think maybe one of the worries this time last year we all had was that when the big South African teams would come up here, if they could pick off one win on their two or three game series, they might say, all right, that's job done. We can put the feet up now for, for a couple of weeks. But, you know, the Sharks, they'd won two, two out of two games up here so far. The, the third one against Leinster, like they, they had every reason to just kind of take that one handy, didn't they? To, to just take it as a free shot. But yeah. they put up a cracking game. They were, yeah, they were so exciting to to watch. And you know, I suppose the thing about Leinster was they were so direct, so efficient. It was it was hard for the Sharks to defend at times. But I just I just sat back and watched the game with enjoyment on my face. I mean, it was exciting rugby. Some of the the tries scored. I mean, the 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 kick throughs. Uh, Nata even having a kick to Henshaw. We saw Henshaw to to Ringrose. But I thought Johnny Sexton was excellent as well. I have to I have to say that you know a lot of guys come back from injury and they need a couple of or haven't played for a few games need to get a few games under the belt he just simply walks in and takes over back doing those loop plays just really on the money with his passing game and he just seems to control everything about that Leinster team and when he's on everything seems to be firing he and also he's uh he's few words with the ref that we all we all love to see as well he was he was what what, what are your thoughts on that I know some people were a bit irked by it that maybe he was going a bit a bit far or talking to the referee a little bit too much. Is that the, is that the right level of, of chat to the referee you want to see from your captain? 
you know what? I prefer that than no chat at all. I mean, he, he, as players around him, they're looking at him. You can see he's fighting for you. Obviously, he saw stuff going on off the ball as well that he wasn't too happy with. And he was backing up his players and sticking up for his players. So, look, he needs to, obviously, not the, the Bundyaki that we saw a few weeks previous to keeping it up and up, but he seems to have uh, got it on the money just about when to stop and just about uh, not getting before the referee gets really mad. So I think he's uh, he's done it all his life. He's not going to change um but it, it's it's as a team I think it works for Leinster because you can see he's doing it for his players he's fired up and and he wants the best out of the referee as well where do you sit in that one Eddie um I think there's a it's a fine line um I actually have a, if he if he thinks there's foul play uh, and the referee missed it or the the the, the assistant referees missed it I I've, I think he has to be quite um animated about that because mm. that's foul play and I, I think he has to challenge the referee and say, look, something happened there. You need to look at it because you have to protect your players. And I'm not saying referees ignore that. or We, we know they don't, or but sometimes things get missed. So I have no problem with him being kind of, let's say, in the referee's face about foul play. But I think at times he does become overbearing on the referee about other things, like oh, there was a knock-on there, the run at the middle of the I think that he's got to back off that. Let the referee the game. Because if a referee feels badgered, about that stuff, because what you're doing is, in, in that sense, is is your your question his decision making as a referee. Mm. Like he didn't he didn't think it was an knock on. He didn't think it was a forward pass. Why? He, and, and badgering him. There, I've never seen a referee go. Oh, it's, you know what? You're right. I, I, that was a forward pass. <laughs> like it, it kind of a pointless road to travel. Yeah. I think with the foul play thing, that's different. If if he feels one of his players has got a cheap shot or something and it's been missed, I say 100 percent tell the referee. We're not putting up with this. Uh, you need to look at this. And I, I back him 100% on that. But I think at times he crosses the line on the stuff that you're not going to get any change out of and are not important. And, and I think what you find in sport in general, it's not rugby, but, you know, they do it in soccer all the time, which is really a disaster area when it comes to dealing with referees. We never want to go there. But they're hoping that the next time, you know, because mm-hmm. the, that 50-50 call didn't go your way, you get the next one. But mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's a good road to travel. I think he, he could... He, he could moderate his behaviour around certain things to the referees. Uh, and I think, you know, referees are going to be told, you know, don't get bullied by him. He's a, he's a, world, he's a world-renowned player. He's a huge figure on the field. Um, he's a very imposing guy. Uh, but I, I think he has to tread that line carefully. Or it's, it's probably not a good thing to see either. You know, I don't think kids looking on, you know, watching mm-hmm. a guy challenging a referee about a forward pass or a knock-on or, you know, uh, I, I don't think it's a good thing for the game. But I will go back and say if it's foul play and he thinks the referee missed it, 100% it back him to be quite in your face about that. But I think every other thing that's about, you know, technical or tactical stuff, you just got to take what the referee says. And if it happens a couple of times, you might ask the referee to say, can you look at that? Yeah. Or if you say, I've seen situations where referee penalised at a scrum and they've, they've been boring and you said, referee, actually, they're boring and can you look at that? That's all, that's all fair. But I think at times he does overstep the line on other stuff. We'll we'll finish up talking about Ulster because it was good to see they showed no sign of a kind of a post Leinster hangover there at the weekend with a really really strong really professional win against uh, against the Ospreys at Kingspan Stadium and they're off to South Africa now for their tour they got the the Lions this weekend first up on Saturday afternoon before the Sharks the the following week and good as well to see James Hume is on the flight he's obviously been out since the suffering that groin injury. Uh, in New Zealand with Ireland, but incredibly, Fiona, like Ulster really haven't missed him so far this season because 
I think every every neutral rugby fan in Ireland is kind of delighted to see it. Luke Marshall has returned after a really, really difficult couple of years and he's been absolutely fantastic. Oh, he's been so good to watch. And you know what? It's like it's almost like himself and McCluskey are brothers. They just play off each other so well. They they read the game together. I just thought, you know, obviously Marshall at the weekend, he destroys and he was really good. But I thought even defensively, he's just been excellent. And the, the, this time last season, I was talking about you. Someone asked me who I think is going to be like the player that's really going to shoot through. And 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 he, he has. Obviously, he got injured. He's been excellent. But you're kind of looking now wondering, will he be able to even get back onto that team to, to break up that McCluskey-Marshall partnership in the big games? Because it's been working really, really well for all. And I have to say, like Ulster as well, going into that game last week, making nine changes, you wouldn't have even thought that. You know, everything just looks cohesive. They all seem to be on the, the same page. Great to see Vermeulen back again as well, carrying big balls. And, you know, the likes of Ray, I haven't spoke about him in the past. I, I've seen him play, but I, I think he's been in absolute great form as well, coming off the bench and making a big impact in that game. It's excellent. It's it's a, it's a team that's really exciting to watch. I'm talking about guys in the pack, but we all know how electric their back line is at the minute as well. Yeah, they've got a good blend at the moment, Eddie. Like They really look like a, a team and a squad that knows where they're going in each and every game. Yeah, they're in a very good place, actually. They're playing some fantastic rugby. And even the game they lost up on Raven Hill that night uh, was a monsoon. I was up there um, at the game and, and the, the rain ruined the game. But mm. they actually looked really second best for an hour and somehow they found a way back into the game. And to be fair, they they, they probably deserved a draw if Sexton had lost the ball. Sorry, the but they were doing the opposite of that last year where they were playing really well for an hour. And then they were chucking games away or coming very close to chucking away yeah. games in the, in the final quarter. So they, they seem to have addressed that side of things as well. Well, it was interesting that they had they got a bad start to the game. Now, Leinster had their homework done. They shut down McCluskey. Yes. And then they got sucker punched twice in a sense that Leinster got a try from a really well-worked try in, in, in bad conditions um, and uh, with just over an overlap. And then, you know, Leinster walked them into the end goal with a, a maul. So... They were in a bad place, and then they tried to force the game to get back into it. They got worse and worse and worse. And Leinster had a chance to bury them at one stage. They had two lineouts down in the corner, and the Munster held or Ulster held on, and they seemed to wake up, and the crowd got behind them, and, and they just got their composure back, and they they scored a great try um, from a mall, uh, uh, and then they they basically had Leinster opened up, and Sexton, I was in that corner, he had the ball in the wrong hand, and lost it in the contact. And that sucked the energy out of them. But that game, you could park on the basis that it, the conditions were horrendous. Like nobody could play rugby. I mean, Leinster got their scores early in the game when you could play a little bit. Mm. And what Leinster had to do really was just not to wank them for the rest of the game and just keep the, the, the spread and they got away with it. But I think Leo was after was very relieved to get out of that game. So part of that game is that it was a bit of a one-off in many ways. Um, I think Ulster are in a great place. They've got really good solid pack. They're some of their ball carriers are, are, are really giving a good go forward. But I think the fulcrum, midfield fulcrum has really been the key. And again, I, I'm beating the McCluskey drum here. He's been key to them. Yeah, I was going to say, think, I know you're a, I know you're <laughs> a big a, fan. But, uh, and I think they're getting depth all around the pitch there. Yeah, but I think they're just going to say, like, what I, I'm going to say on the back of the Kluski is that Hume is, 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 is a different animal now. I mean... Mm. Like uh, Marshall has has been doing a great job, like, but I think Hume brings another dimension to it because capacity to be players one on one. Like w- with Marshall and McCluskey, you're getting pretty much fairly 
direct rugby a lot of the time. Mm. But I think Hume brings another dimension now. So they're even going to be more dangerous, I think, if Hume is back to his form from last year. So I think, look, overall, Ulster are in a great spot. If they can go down to South Africa now and even pick up one result uh, and maybe a, another bonus point in some way, like a try bonus point or something, they're coming back home, they're going to be in great fettle. You know? So I think they're... They are the other. They are the other problems at the moment that are are going to sit back and say, yeah, things are working well for us. Um, I think Leinster are in a good place, obviously. Um, I think Connacht are looking to try and kind of build on what they got last week, but I think Munster at some point need to start the engine here, and uh, hopefully the sooner the better. Yeah, and Fiona, the last point on on Ulster then as well, like they're they're clearly going all out now with the you know the the, the signings over the last mm. week like that is a massive statement they got Rory Sutherland coming in he's on that trip and uh, to South Africa as well so he's probably going to make a debut in the next week or so so he's there till the end of the season and then they've kind of teased out the the arrival of a a world class proven operator which I haven't named but I think all of us know at this stage is is Stephen Kitchoff of the of the Stormers two massive players like for the next 3 4 years that they're kind of securing top quality options at loose head. And if you see the signings they've made over the last few years, they're clearly, they're clearly putting a big emphasis on, on type five players. Yeah, definitely. And you can, you can see that they've Henderson as well to come back in as well in, in their next few games. They're, they're just a big physical dominant pack that when I saw that those signings, you can see their intent and, you know, Ulster haven't won a European cup and I'm sure that that's where they're going. They were so close to, so close last year as well. You know, I'm sure they looked at it and they kind of almost faded towards the end of the season. They might have had a few injuries. It was definitely a couple of games where there was um some of the props were injured and the guys that stepped up maybe weren't up to scratch. So they're really putting their foot forward now, signing these guys. They probably have at the minute, like as well as Leinster, they just have, a, as I said, with the nine changes, they'll have a squad that they can constantly rotate. And when it comes to the big games, guys are fit and fresh and ready to go and a pretty big dominant impact we all know what Kitchoff can do we can see even though sometimes he mightn't start that South African pack but he gets on a lot of the time before half time and he does real damage in the scrum and also a huge ball carrier in Sutherland is similar as well so it's it's really looking really good for Ulster Rugby going forward and they especially when they meet those French big packs as well going forward in the Heineken Cup yeah Eddie like it's clear like I know Dan McFarland obviously is he's, he was a front row in his days so he obviously places a big importance on it but they're clearly making a big statement with these signings. Well, I think they're making a statement on the basis that they feel that that's the part of their squad that they've got to bolster in terms of mm. getting silverware. Um, if you look at the, the Ulster backline, it's a cracking good backline. Mm. They've got, they've got, they've got, uh, they've got two good tens. Not you know not world beaters, but really solid tens who can run a game. Um, they've got real power in the midfield, and they've got serious gas in the back three. Um, you know, so I think like they, their backline is really, really good, really set, and they're confident over the next few years that backline is going to hold together really well. But of course, the key for them is can they deliver the quality possession in the backline? You know, their set piece uh, and their truckers. You know, and I think that's what they're putting, they're investing their 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 energy and their finances in is to put a pack in front of that backline that can deliver the sort of possession that they know. So it's a smart move, I think. You know, from a, from a point of view, building a team, building a squad, they're putting their their resources where they feel that's going to get them across the line when they get to the big games in Europe against the you know as Fiona said the big French teams when you go toe to toe with teams in France away from home on a Sunday afternoon. You know, and you got a pack of forwards that are going to hold their own 
at least, and then give because the, the Ulster backs that Ulster back the unit like the unit is as good as you're going to get, um, in terms of of their their skill set and the way they're playing. So I think that's their logic. Let's give them a platform to launch this backline, and I think, you know, on the evidence of it, that's what they're going with, it. and it, it makes to me makes good business sense. Yeah, let's see how it works over the the next couple of seasons. So, uh, Ulster against Lions, that game kicks off one o'clock on Saturday afternoon. Um, then Friday night, seven thirty-five, Connacht against Leinster. As I said, that game is live on RT two and RT player. And then Saturday evening, seven thirty-five, kickoff, Munster hosting the Bulls at Thomond Park. Eddie and Fiona, thanks a million for joining us. Good luck at your your games this week, Eddie. You're down in down in Highfield. You were telling us that's going to be a tough one. Yeah. I think the last time I was in Highfield, I was playing under 12 or so. <laughs> Long time ago, Eddie. <laughs> oh, half a century, if you want to. Who, who have you got for you this week? Yeah, we're actually um, off. We were due to play Malone, but they're they're no longer in the league, so we, we get to have a, a weekend off. So you get to watch Munster instead? Oh, I get to go watch Munster. <laughs> well, listen, That's enjoy it. it, and I might see you down in Tolman Park. I'll keep an eye out for you. I'll be there myself. Eddie and Fiona, thanks a million uh, for joining us, and thanks a million for everyone for listening to the RT Rugby Podcast. We'll speak to you again next week. Cheers.